Father, we thank you for this time of waiting, this time of anticipation, this time of focus on Jesus. And we thank you for Advent. We thank you for the birth of Christ. Lord, prepare our hearts this month for more than just the holiday madness. Lord, prepare our hearts and our minds to keep our focus on you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Horizon. It's good to see you guys out there. And we have some guests. We're going to start a new series for our Advent uh, season, for the Christmas season, and we're calling it God's Gift to Us. And of course, we'll focus on these themes that are kind of um, highlighted in the Advent wreath and the Advent candles, these themes being faith, love, joy, and peace. Um, And of course, if we ask ourselves, what is God's gift to us? What is God's greatest gift to us? I couldn't get the font any bigger. So that's, he's it. He's the greatest gift we have ever received. He's the greatest gift we will ever receive. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. He is Jesus. And so he's our focus. And week by week, what we're going to talk about is Jesus is the gift of faith. He is the gift of love. He is the gift of joy. And he is the gift of peace. And I was thinking about valuable gifts, you know, think about maybe when you were a kid waiting for Christmas and maybe the best gift that you had under that tree. This verse came to mind when I was praying about it. It's Jesus telling a parable and he says in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls When he had found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Jesus was trying to communicate to his disciples just how valuable the kingdom of God is, that it's worth abandoning everything else. The kingdom of God is worth leaving everything else behind. That's what Jesus was trying to portray. The kingdom of God is that valuable. It's that valuable. If someone were to find it, they would leave everything behind just for that one thing. And when I was praying about this, the Lord kind of flipped it on me, and I realized Jesus did this first. See, when we read this parable, we think, oh, man, could I leave everything for Jesus? You know, we think of those missionaries that leave it all, and they go to some foreign country to proclaim Jesus and I was kind of in that mindset reading it, and then the Lord was like, no, 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 Mark, you're forgetting I did this first. The Son of God in heaven, he's got everything. He's got it all, perfect peace, perfect joy. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to leave it all behind, and I'm going to come as a baby down to earth. I'm going to come as a human being. And not just a man, I'm going to come as a little infant, totally dependent on my mother and my father for sustenance. I'm going to leave it all behind. But why? What is Jesus' pearl of great price? Let this sink in. It's you. It's you. Can you feel the weight of that? That Jesus saw you. He saw your face. 
And he said, there it is. There's my pearl. I'm leaving it all behind. I'm going to bankrupt heaven. I'm going to leave it all behind, and I'm going to come as a poor little baby boy. Why? Because you are worth it. You are my pearl of great price. That's what Jesus thinks about you. And so really, when we abandon everything for the kingdom of God, when we leave it all behind for Jesus, we're only doing what he's already done. He's already done this for us, and we're just imitating him. It's not heroic. It's imitation. Jesus, you already did this for me. All I'm doing is what you already did. I'm imitating you. And so, in this season of, you know, Christmas, where does Jesus come into this idea that the kingdom is worth that much? It's worth leaving everything behind. What, what does that have to do with Jesus being the greatest gift that we've ever received? Well, Jesus is the gift that gives us access to the kingdom. In some parts of the Bible, it says Jesus is the way. Or another word that it sometimes uses, it says Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the narrow road. In other words, he's how we get access to the kingdom of God. He's the way in to this incredible, incredible gift. He is the gift. And, you know, I was thinking about access, and I was thinking about, you know, my family, we just drove down uh, to Orlando, and we did one of those Disney World trips. Has everyone, anyone done one of those trips before? Because they're amazing, but, you know, they're a lot. You know what I'm saying? We were exhausted, and... My parents, I think, did better than I did. They, they were walking around. You know, I, I hope I'm in as good a shape as they are when I'm there. I was, my feet were hurting. Like, my kids were like, in the evening, I'm like massaging my own feet that are like torn up. My kids are like, you okay? <laughs> Barely survived Disney. But this is us at Disney. It was an incredible trip. It's a great time to go in November. And what you're seeing is the Magic Kingdom, right? That's the Magic Kingdom with the castle in the background and Emily is just, Emily's totally depressed about going. You can tell she's very upset that she's there. Uh, she, no, the kids just loved it. It was awesome. The, the, the boys loved Star Wars, and Emily got to be a princess, and it was just amazing. And you can see it's already decorated for Christmas, but, but I was thinking about there's this kingdom. It's the magic kingdom, but what gives us access to the kingdom? What gives us access to Disney World? Do you know what gives you access to Disney World? Not that. That's just another picture. I thought I'd do a little slideshow. This is, this is it lit up at night, like, you know, frozen, like Elsa and all of that. These bands come in the mail a few months before you go. And the way we revealed it to our kids was they come in a box and you, we opened the box and we showed the kids, look, it's the, it's the bands. You wear these bands on your wrist, by the way. And the kids were trying them on, even the first day we got them. And there's this little computer chip in the Mickey part. And you touch that to the Mickey, everything's Mickey, right? To the Mickey symbol, and it lights up green, and that gives you access to everything, everything, everything. You wouldn't believe it. So you put the little band on, and like, you're golden, right? It's the band that actually gets you into the park. If you don't have a band, you can't get into the park. But Imagine getting in the park and looking around and going, wow, this is amazing, and thinking that's all there was to it. It's sometimes how we think about the kingdom, 
Jesus, you got me into the kingdom. Wow, it's amazing. And believe me, in Disney World, you could walk around and just look at everything for days. And sometimes that's what we do in the kingdom of God. We just look around. We're amazed at everything, but we don't actually gain the access that Jesus, Jesus is that armband. He's the magic band into the kingdom of God. But he does more than just get us into the park. See, you could walk up to any ride that you've done the fast pass, you've scheduled the ride ahead of time, it's called fast pass, you get to cut in line legally, and you scan your band and you get to go to the front of the line. And you go up to these carts full of food. Did you guys know that you can stuff cream cheese in a pretzel, a soft pretzel? Disney found a way to do it. It's amazing. You can scan your band and they'll give you food, any food, popcorn, drinks, any food, just scan your band. You can go into restaurants, scan your band, you get food. You can go into stores. The band is actually, not only is it connected to a meal plan that you've previously purchased, but it's also connected to your credit card, which is amazing. So you can go into any store and just scan your band and just, you're good. These bands give you access to everything in the magic kingdom. Jesus gives you access to everything in the kingdom of God. Everything. You have access to it through Jesus. That's the gift. That's the gift. But imagine if someone walked into the park and didn't know they had all access to that. Imagine if they walked around and didn't realize they could go on these rides, didn't realize they could have this food or these things at the stores. They, they thought the thing was, I got in the park. And it is the thing. It is the thing. Just getting there is the thing. But you have access to so much more than just getting to heaven. You have access to the kingdom. Are you hearing me? It's not just believe in Jesus, go to heaven, we're done. That's like walking around Disney for six days and not doing anything but staring at stuff. You have access to so much more. Jesus has given you access. He's the one who gives us access to everything in the kingdom. And think about it this way. Everything free is actually paid for. My kids might mistakenly think with that band that everything is free, right? They scan it and they're led in the park and they didn't have to pay anything. Ah, we're in for free. Awesome. Go up to one of those carts. I'll take that pretzel. I'll take that popcorn. I'll take that ice cream. It's all free, right? Well, and what do I tell them as their dad? What do I tell them? Yes, kind of. It is free. You're right. It is free. But maybe a better way to see it is that it's been paid for. It costs somebody something. And see, Jesus, it cost him everything. But what I'm telling you is it's paid for. Now, imagine if I bought a meal plan at Disney, already paid for it, and my kids the whole day said, I don't want any food. Or worse, what if they believed they weren't worthy of food? No, 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 no. I've already paid for it. I've already paid for it. Please, you have access to all this. I'm not sure I do. No, no, you do. I paid for it. I'm not sure I'm worth it. You guys see what I'm saying? Jesus paid for you to have access to everything in the kingdom. It doesn't honor him to not access it. It's not humility to not access it. It's a poor view of yourself or it's a poor view of him, but either way, He paid for it. Is grace free? Yes, in the sense that he paid for it. Is forgiveness free? Yep. You don't have to do a thing. Just receive it. But it's paid for by Jesus on the cross. 
So in this series, when we talk about faith and we talk about love and we talk about joy and we talk about peace and all these things of Christmas, these things are the things he paid for, for you to have access to. They are free to you. You don't earn them. You don't muster up something to get them. They are free. You have been given access because of your faith in Jesus, because of your surrender to him. He says, here you go. The whole kingdom is yours, my son, my daughter. Not just that. There's more, right? Hope, grace, forgiveness, power. There's all these things in the kingdom that we have access to. We're just going to talk about four of them in this series. So this morning, we're going to start with faith. Jesus is the gift of faith. And that makes kind of a strange, that's not usually how we use the word faith. It's a strange way to say it, right? Jesus is the gift of faith. So let's break this down a little bit. What is faith? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about, we do not, about what we do not see. So faith is kind of having confidence in something that's future-oriented. We may not be seeing it with our eyes, but we believe it, we have faith, we trust, we, we have confidence in it, even though we may not see it right in front of us. My definition, the Mark Stevenson dictionary definition of it is trust with legs on it. Faith is when you trust in something, you trust in the Father, you trust in his character, you trust in Jesus, and it's not just this feeling, but it actually has legs, meaning it has action to it. If I really have faith, it will show up in the way that I'm living. I'm going to take risks because I trust in who God is, because of his nature and his character. It's trust, but it's not just a feeling of trust. It's trust with legs on it. And this Christmas, when we celebrate Jesus, it's about God showing up in the flesh, right? Matthew 1 tells us this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, that's Mary, and give birth to a son, that's Jesus, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. So God showing up in the flesh, that's who Jesus is. That's what we remember on Christmas, that God didn't say distant. He's not this angry, distant, upset father, absentee God. He's not that. He came near. He said, I love you so much. I'm going to leave everything behind in heaven, and I'm going to come so close to you. I'm actually going to become human, and I'm going to come in the form of a little baby. I am God with you. I'm with you. I couldn't stand to be away from you. So Jesus came as God with us, Emmanuel. And so when we use that phrase, Jesus is the gift of faith, we're really saying something like this. God coming in the flesh, that's Jesus. By him doing that, that gives us confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Because Jesus showed up in the flesh, we have confidence in the things we hope for in Christ, and we have assurance about the things we can't yet see in Christ. How does this work? How is Jesus the gift of faith? Let's, I'm going to give you three ways this morning that I, that I think Jesus is the gift of faith. The first one, Jesus, God showing up in the flesh. Jesus was God keeping his promises. And Luke read a passage about that this morning. God had promised a coming Messiah, a coming Savior. He promised for hundreds of years he would do it, and then he did it in Jesus. Isaiah 9, nevertheless, There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. That's the land in the north where the Sea of Galilee is. He's talking about that land in the north where where Nazareth is, where Jesus grew up, where Jesus did most of his ministry. This is the land, Zebulun and Naphtali. 
But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah is prophesying of the coming day that Jesus will come. This is God's word saying, listen, a light is going to come. Just wait for it. A light is going to come. I promise. And then the passage that Luke read, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So Jesus comes and now he's king of kings and lord of lords. He, he rules the kingdom of God and we are invited into it. This is God keeping his promises. When someone continually keeps their promises, our faith in them is bolstered. Have you ever known someone like that? You just have complete confidence in them. If they say they're going to do something, they'll do it. And in the rare occasion that they don't get it done, they apologize very quickly and make up for it. They're just a really reliable person. This is the character and nature of God. He is, a, he is a God who keeps his promises. And because of that, our faith in him is bolstered. For years, he said the Messiah would come. And then the Messiah came in Jesus. And so we can trust when God gives us a promise, he's going to keep his promise. And it strengthens our faith that he is a promise-keeping God. So here's the second way. Jesus, God showing up in the flesh, was God becoming visible and tangible. You ever notice it's a little easier to believe in something that's visible and tangible than something that's just an idea or concept? It's one thing to get those bands in the mail and the kids get excited about Disney. It's another thing when you pull up and you look and you see the Magic Kingdom in front of you. When it becomes tangible, when it becomes visible, game on, right? It's a little easier to believe. Well, this is what God did. God said, listen, I know it's hard for you. You can't see me. I'm a spirit. It's hard for you to understand me. It's hard for you to to believe in me. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up in the flesh. I'm going to be tangible and real to you. This is Jesus. And you'll know exactly what I'm like. I don't want you to struggle with faith. I don't want you to struggle with believing in me. So I'm going to show up and become tangible and real in the person of Christ. And you will know. Colossians 1 says it this way, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In verse 19, it goes on to say, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. The Son is the image of the invisible God. God knows we can't see him, but he said, I'm going to become visible. I'm going to become in such a way that you can see what, exactly what I'm like. And that's Jesus. And man, that's so much easier to put our faith in, to trust in something tangible and real like that. Not just an idea of God floating out there somewhere, but a real person. Jesus said this about himself in John 14. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? What is he saying there? He's saying nobody gets in Disney without one of those bands. Nobody. I've paid for access to everything. 
If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Well, that kind of stuff just confused Philip, right? I appreciate Philip's question here. Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Anyone that has seen Jesus, anyone that knows what Jesus is like, knows what the father is like. He is visible, tangible God. Maybe you've had someone in this, a conversation, I've had a lot of conversations like this, where someone says, you know, I just wish we knew what God was like. And in the back of my head, and sometimes, you know me, I'll just say it. I say, well, we do. He's like Jesus. We know what God's like. Now, of course, there's mystery. There's parts of God we can't possibly fathom, but we know what God's like. You know what he's like? He's exactly like Jesus. I, it, people who's, who are like, you know, I love Jesus. I'm just not sure about, you know, God. They don't understand what's going on here. They have an image of God that's more based on the, the dad they grew up with or didn't grow up with than Jesus. God's not like your dad. He is exactly like Jesus. He's like Jesus. If you read in the Gospels and you're a fan of Jesus, then guess what? You're a fan of the Father. I've had good friends, and I've had this conversation. They, they tell me, I just wish God would show up and, and show us he's real. Mark, I'm struggling with doubts. Can't God just show up? And, and show me that he's real. And I'm like, yes, so yes, yes. And he did. He did. That's exactly right. You're right on. He said, I will show up and show you exactly what I'm like. And it was in the person of Jesus. It's just like God to do that. And then, of course, I say that and they're like, wah, wah, okay, Mark, but... Well, then I wish he did it in every generation. And I'm like, yes, you got it. Amen. And they think I'm crazy. But I'm like, no, 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 you really got it. He does. That's the Holy Spirit. Every generation from Jesus till now, God's been showing up tangibly in you, believers, in you. Don't you wish God? Yep, he did. Oh, if only God, yep, he did, he did, and he still does, and he does in every generation. God says, I am real, and I will show up in tangible form, and for us right now, that's the Holy Spirit, living and dwelling in us, and we are the body of Christ. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he the spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. In other words, disciples, I can't stick around forever. I am the image of the invisible God, but I can only be here for a lifetime. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to rise from the grave. I'm going to ascend to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you my spirit to actually not walk around beside you like I do. It's going to be even better than that. My spirit is going to dwell in you. 
And he's going to speak to you. He's going to guide you into truth the same way I've been doing. Except he's not going to do it from the outside in like I've been doing. He's going to do it from the inside out. You will actually be one with the Father. It was mind-boggling to them. They, They didn't get it at first, and a lot of times we don't either. God becoming visible. This was Jesus. When something is visible and tangible, it's easier to believe and trust. God didn't leave us to believe in an idea or principle. We get to put our faith in a person. Christianity is not an idea. It's not a theology. It's not even a religion. It's become one, but that's not the point. The point was Jesus, the person of Jesus, putting our faith and trust in him. The tangible image of the invisible God. All right, number three. Jesus, God showing up in the flesh, was God giving us access, there it is again, to his own faith. What? (laughs) This is the best. Yes, you have access to God's faith in himself. Let that sink in for a second. The way Jesus trusts God perfectly, the way the Holy Spirit trusts Jesus perfectly, you have access to that kind of trust and faith. What am I talking about? Well, there are moments where God gives to us the confidence that he has in himself. And we experience the faith and trust that Jesus has in the Father and that the Spirit has in Jesus. Now, this doesn't happen all the time. But there are moments that we actually get to experience God's faith in himself. And the truth is we're supposed to be growing in our own faith. We're supposed to be maturing in our faith. Our faith is supposed to be increasing as we mature in Christ. But there are moments where God just gives us a gift, and the gift is the faith that he has in himself. This is one example of this. It's found in Mark 11. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. So let me give you some context here. Jesus walks along. There's a fig tree. It doesn't have fruit on it. Jesus goes, You should have had some fruit on you. (laughs) You're not going to have any fruit on you anymore. You're going to wither. Bye-bye fig tree. Okay, that's the Mark Stevenson translation. And then he walks on, and all the disciples are like, man, Jesus just got upset with that fig tree. And they're on the way back out of Jerusalem, and Peter's like, the fig tree's dead. The whole thing just shrunk up and shriveled up. And just at Jesus' word, it just shrunk down and shriveled up. Peter's like, whoa. And then Jesus says this. And the translators get this wrong, by the way. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, he's like, look, that was a fig tree. You can do this with a mountain. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now, this verse for me was so frustrating for so many years because I'm like, how do I muster up enough faith to not have any doubt? I mean, I, like, I can't flex that muscle strong enough to like, get to the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm at 99% faith with like 1% doubt. I can't do that, especially when I'm talking to a mountain. Mountains do not you know, foster faith. Jesus, what are you talking about here? And, and the reason why the translators actually got this phrase wrong is because they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Like, they're conf- like, how can you, this is impossible, this seems too big, right? But actually, in the Greek, this is the phrase, and literally it means this, have faith from God or have the faith of God. 
Jesus isn't saying, disciples, muster up enough faith so that you don't doubt anymore and you tell this mountain to move and it moves. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, disciples, you can receive the faith of God in moments where you have no doubt. And when you do, you're going to see mountains move. It's God's faith in himself, and he gives you a download into your heart and mind. 1 Corinthians actually talks about it as a gift of faith. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. And check this out. To another faith by the same Spirit. It's listed in the gifts It's a gift that God gives us. We have access to this gift of faith, and it's not something we experience every single day. That's like the measure of faith that we have. We have every single day, but there are moments. There are moments where God says, I'm just going to give you this gift of faith where you have supreme confidence in me, the kind of confidence I have in myself. I'm going to give it to you for this moment. And when that moment comes, mountains move. I had a friend of mine tell me this the other day that they actually experienced this in this room. I, I, I said, hey, I feel like the Lord wants to address this physical need. And I announced a physical need. And as soon as I announced it, that person had this physical illness. And they told me later, as soon as you said it, I knew I'd be healed. I hadn't prayed yet. I hadn't said anything yet. They said, as soon as you said it, I knew. I said, how did you know? He, he said, I don't know. It wasn't from me. He just knew that he knew that he knew that he knew. And as soon as I said it, he's like, that's me. And he was healed. What was that? That was a gift of faith. I said, I think God wants to heal this. He said, yep, that's me. It was a download of faith to him. It wasn't something he stirred up. It wasn't hard for him. He didn't flex the muscle of faith enough. He didn't go, oh, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. Have you ever tried that? It doesn't work, right? I'm going to really believe this time. It's not what he did. In fact, he said it was the easiest thing in the world. It was a gift downloaded to him. He felt it in his heart. He had confidence. He just knew. I was like, that's crazy. He goes, I know. I've never had that happen before. It was a gift of faith. Downloaded to his heart. It was God's confidence in himself. Downloaded to this guy's heart. And that mountain moved. He got healed. This is what we have access to, the gift of faith. In certain moments, we have access to God's faith as he downloads his own faith into our heart and mind. So these are the three things I think when it means Jesus is the gift of faith. This is what I think, there's more, obviously, but at least these three. It's that God keeps his promises, and because of that, we can have faith in a God who keeps his promises. God showed up to be visible and tangible. We can have faith in something that's right in front of us that's tangible, And at moments, we have access to his own faith. Hebrews 12 says this, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the one who ignites our faith and the one who completes and finishes our faith. He's the spark at the beginning. He's the one that sustains our faith. He's the one that completes it at the end. When it comes to faith... Sorry, Jesus is the beginning, the middle, and the end. He's the whole thing, right? He's the magic man. He's the access point. He's, he's the start of it. He's 
that journey in the middle, and he's the one at the end. He's the one that welcomes us into eternity and says, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. So in this season of gift giving, worship leaders, I invite you to come on back up. We remember that Jesus is the ultimate gift. He is the ultimate gift above every other gift. He's given you access to everything in the kingdom. And so my question to those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, are you accessing all that Jesus paid for in the kingdom? That's my question to you this morning. You've been a Christian for a while, but my question is, are you wandering around Disney just looking at everything? Or are you actually accessing everything he's paid for? He paid for you to live at peace. He paid for you to live in love. He paid for you to receive grace. He paid for your forgiveness. He paid for your joy. He paid for your hope. He paid for your healing. He paid for you to operate in power. He paid for all of it. Are you accessing everything in the kingdom that God has paid for? And some of you here this morning haven't started this journey with Jesus yet. And so my question to you is, have you received the gift of Jesus into your life? If you haven't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. See, Jesus offers himself. It's nothing you have to do. You just have to receive it. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to have a sin-free life. You don't have to be, think you're worthy enough. You don't have to be religious. Jesus says, look, I have given you access. I've given you myself. And all we have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I receive you into my life. And so what I want us to do now is just every eye closed, every head bowed, I just want to pray. And listen, if you've never, if you're here this morning, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to invite you just to pray this simple prayer with me. It's the best gift you'll ever receive. All you have to do is receive it. It will give you access to everything in the kingdom. But you have to say yes. So this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, just between you and him, I just want you to pray this simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, I say yes to you this morning. Please forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean make me whole I now surrender my life to you and I receive you Jesus into mine Holy Spirit I invite you to come and dwell in me and to change me from the inside out Jesus, I declare you are Lord. You are the way. You are the truth. And you are the life. Now, if you prayed that, I encourage you not to just stop with a single prayer. Just know if you prayed that prayer and you were sincere, then the Lord has now come into your life and transformed you and has so much for you. I encourage you to talk to somebody you came with.
talk to somebody, me or Ryan at the church. We'd love to get you plugged in. This Christian life was never meant to be done alone. It's also a prayer Sunday, guys. So if you need to go down the hall into the sanctuary and you need to receive prayer, you got stuff going on in your life and you just need somebody to partner with you, just be with you and pray for you. That's what this is for. If you have any need whatsoever, as this last worship song plays, just go ahead down the hall and receive prayer from the prayer team. Father, we're grateful for your son. The greatest gift that we've ever received. Jesus, we declare you are that pearl of great price, that you are worthy. Jesus, you're worth leaving everything else behind. You are the king of kings. And we're so grateful, God, that you left everything behind for us. You left it all for us to come near. And God, we're grateful. We're grateful. In Jesus' name.